Okay, uh, here in the book of James, we are James in chapter number one. Let's just begin in verse number one. Our text tonight is going to be verses five through eight. <clears throat> James, a servant of God and a, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let, let patience have her perfect work that ye may be, what? Perfect, mature. Remember, uh, growing old is not an option, but growing up is. And so perpetually uh, not grown up, but James is saying here, let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, liberally and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. Now here's the qualification. Verse six, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and toss. Let not that man think for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double minded man is unstable in all his ways. Everybody see that? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Only two times the word double-minded shows up in, um, in the New Testament. It's here and then in chapter 4 and uh, verse number 8, I believe it is. Double-minded, literally two-souled, two-minded, double-minded, two-souled. Um, so I, I really believe that verse 8 is a, is a major key to that section. So we're going to build up to that as we get into it. So our series, just to remind you, we're only three sermons into this. Next week, uh, I'm going to be gone. Brother Andrew's going to be preaching college night. Brother Andrew Albert, I know you're going to enjoy that. Good message. I've already heard what he's going to preach unless it's going to be different. It's going to be on. So I'm excited for you to get to hear that. So I want to take at least one more, uh, one more time. Just felt like we needed to finish this unit and told Brother Druss, I feel funny about not having a missionary preach when the missionary's here. It's just my heart about it. Uh, but just wanted to kind of finish up at least this section, and, and really it doesn't totally finish the section, but at least the thought from last week. But we're looking at, in this series, a concise course on Christian maturity, grow up. Grow up. We all need to. Grow up. And so tonight, the title of the message is this, Praying Without Backup Plans. Praying Without backup plans. Okay. Can I challenge you about that? We all need it. Praying without backup plans. Don't pray for wisdom while keeping your options open. Okay. Just pray for wisdom. So may God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. Let's consider this here tonight. I trust and it'll be a practical help. The book of James is so practical. Just right on. <clears throat> Theology and action, really. <clears throat> well, last, uh, last Wednesday night, we said this, that the road to Christian maturity is uphill the whole way. It's uphill the whole way. 
And I would add an addendum to that statement. The road to Christian maturity, which if you're, you're saved tonight, that's God's goal ultimately for you is to be mature in Christ. Isn't that right? Christ-likeness. That's his goal for everybody that's here uh, that is saved. And if you're not saved tonight, then his goal for you is to be saved. He wouldn't have all men to be saved, all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But the road to Christian maturity is uphill all the way. And I'd add this little addendum. And sometimes it's not real clear. The road to Christian maturity is uphill the whole way. And sometimes it's not clear, but there's not an alternate route. There's not an easy route. The road to maturity for every believer. And last week we recognized those that have been in church for 20 and 30 and 40 and some 50 plus years. Well, you don't stay in church that long without some Christian maturity coming into your life. I mean, there's a measure of that. And I realize somebody could make it that long and not be mature in Christ. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying otherwise, but there's, there is no alternate route to maturity, it's going to take trials and difficulties. There's really not another way. Uh, Brother Babishak, I really appreciated his comment last week. He shared it with me out in the foyer and uh, focusing on the word. Um, my brethren, count it all joy, count. It's an accounting term. It's a mathematical term. And so he shared with me this insight. I wanted to pass it on to you because it was, it was so helpful. Um, the word count, obviously, we think about, you know, accounting. You have debits and you, and you have credits, right? Uh, you have loss and you have gain. But he said this. He said, sometimes what we would put in the category of a debit or a loss in God's economy is actually an asset or a gain. So I've been chewing on that. Because there's a lot of things that we would put in that category of being a loss. I thought about Joseph and how that, you know, he lost his freedom. He's in prison for 12 years. What seemed to be a loss turned out to be a gain. And, uh, and, and there's several other examples that I, I won't go into tonight. But ultimately, I mean, the biggest one would be this. The disciples, as Jesus was crucified, they looked at that as a loss. And yet because of the resurrection, my what a game. Okay, so do you see that? So James here is saying, my brethren, uh, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. But that really depends on whether, whether the loss that you've experienced is going to turn out to be a gain depends on how you and I respond to that. Okay, that's that is that plays into this so much here. Um, in fact, I like what uh, Jim Berg said in his book, Change into His Image. He said, be careful what you muse and what you choose when you lose. Okay, be careful what you muse, what you think. Okay, it just rhymes with choose and lose, right? Okay, be careful what you muse, what you think, what you choose when you lose, because that makes a big difference on how things go following that trial. Right. So I think that that's a, a very big key. In fact, Brother Dress mentioned just a moment ago how that some of these refugees, uh, God has allowed that and used that to get some of their attention to bring them to Christ. Hey, that's it. God uses those things and uses these things in our life. But if we're going to count it all joy in verse two, my brother, and count it all joy. Uh, we dealt with this last week. I'm trying my best not to spend too much time on that, but we needed a little bit of a runway into this. As he says, count it all joy. The idea is this. It's not like, okay, just be weird about everything that happens to you and, and, and be happy 
when, when bad times come. That's not what he's saying at all, but he's saying this, listen, count it all joy. Uh, and not a mixture of, uh, of sadness and joy. No, count it all joy, genuine joy. So you might say, well, how can you do that? Well, you've got to think beyond just the moment. Count it all joy because we know, here's what we know. Knowing this, that God uses those things to help us grow. Okay, so that's how we can count it all joy if we're thinking big picture. All right, if we're thinking big picture. Okay, so, but what you value determines how you view the trials. So if you value comfort more than character, you'll get upset. If you value comfort more than character, trials will upset you. And I'm hey, listen, I, I, I understand. I mean, I, we all live in this same fleshly tabernacle of a body and we like comfort and things going smooth. But let me ask you this tonight, church, and dear guests that are here. When have you grown more when times have been easy or through the hard times? Through the hard times. Now, I'm not voting tonight or taking a motion that let's ask for more hard times. I'm not, I'm not necessarily asking for that. But, but at the same token, James says, um, when these things come, not if, but when, count it all joy. Count it all joy, he says in verse number two, when you fall into diverse temptations, various types, knowing this. And in fact, what he's saying here is it's not, not feeling this, but knowing this. Knowing this, I, I know that God can use that because he is not an arsonist, he is a refiner. And I was reminded in study that, that a refiner often puts it in the crucible there of, of heating up that precious metal until he sees his image in that precious metal. Well, you think about Romans 8 and verse 28 that you cannot separate from verse number 29. Because we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. And whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. See, friend, listen, that is the good that God wants to do in our lives when these trials come is his purpose, his foreordained plan for the believer is that we might be fashioned just like his son. And God allows the heat and turns up the heat. He refines us and gets the impurities out of our life that we might be more like him. So count it all joy, knowing this, uh, that brings us then again to verse number three, knowing this, that the trine of your faith worketh patience. We said patience was this, it's endurance, it's fortitude, it's constancy, it's steadfastness, it's this, listen, it's perseverance. You keep going even though you're in a hard time. I like what Warren Wiersbe said about, about this matter of patience. It's not, pa it's not passive acceptance of circumstances. It's courageous perseverance in the face of suffering and adversity. Does that make sense to you? It's not just, uh, it's not just passive, uh, how did he say it? Passive acceptance of circumstances, but it's rather this, regardless of what has come, I'm going to keep going with God's help. How do you do that? Knowing this, that the trine of your faith worketh patience and thus verse number four, but let patience have her perfect work. Let it, let patience have its perfect work. Hey, listen, somebody said this, it's always too soon to give up. 
Some of you didn't get that. It's always too soon to give up. I mean, think about it. God told the children of Israel to march around the walls of Jericho seven days. What if they had just marched around the walls of Jericho three days? Or what if they just marched around the walls of Jericho six days? And on that seventh day, what if they only went about six times instead of seven times? The walls wouldn't have fallen. Hey, listen, we've got to let patience have her perfect work. What if Naaman, the leper, had only dipped six times rather than seven, then he would have still been a leper. Okay, so what God gives us and tells you to do, keep doing. Let patience have her perfect work. Okay, now the reason I'm really hitting on this is because it brings us into verse number five. He says, let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing or lacking in nothing. The word wanting is the same word in verse number five that is talking about if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Okay, so what we're to do in these difficult times that come is we're to allow that God has a perfect plan that he's working in our life and we're to let that come to its full fruition and don't check out early. Don't give up. Don't, don't stop going to church. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on school. Stay in school. You say, yeah, but it's so hard. Let patience have her perfect work. Okay. So how do you do that? Well, that brings us into our text in verse number five. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Okay. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Okay. Lack means not to have. So if any man lack wisdom, okay. So we, we need to deal with this. Now we got to keep it in its context, but if any man lack wisdom, all right, now what, what is wisdom? Well, wisdom literally means skill in living. So that implies there's going to be some times when you don't know how to live. I, I can't see what's going on. Uh, let, me, let, me give you, let me work a little bit more here on this. Wisdom means, uh, is the means by which the godly can discern and carry out God's will. That, an individual said that. Wisdom means that the, a person that's godly can discern and do God's will. That's wisdom. Wisdom. Now, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom, okay? Uh, I like what one individual said. If we say about someone, he really knows his Bible well, we're talking about a knowledgeable person. But if he also knows how to use his Bible to understand life and the world around him and how to live in that world, we've crossed over from knowledge to wisdom. Because wisdom is the application of Bible knowledge. Okay. Wisdom is the application of Bible knowledge. My favorite definition of wisdom is also by Jim Berg in the book, Changing to His Image. And it's simply this, wisdom is the right next response. Wisdom is the right next response. See, sometimes we, we think about wisdom this way. We think about wisdom as the helicopter view of life. Jim Gardner with News 9, right? Flying around Oklahoma City, seeing, okay, uh, there's a traffic jam on I-40, on I-44, on I-35, all of it, you might just wait, right? Okay, we, we kind of want that kind of wisdom that understands why this is going on in my life, 
Okay, I'm sure all of us have experienced that where you're traveling along and, it, and it's like traffic just slows down to a halt and, and you wonder why. Because once you get to whatever seems to be was the problem, there's no problem there. And you think, people, come on. All we got to do is just work together here and just let them merge in, merge in. Come on, everybody, work together. This is easy. We can do this. All right. So there's sometimes you don't understand. Okay, that's not, the, that's not the wisdom that we get to have. We don't get to have this, this view of life where I understand that, that, I, that this trial is coming in my life and I can see why that's going on. No, we don't have that view of life. Wait a minute, there's one who does. God in heaven does. God, God sees it all. He understands it all. Here's our view, the dashboard. Our view is the windshield. My view and your view is traffic is slowing down rather quickly right now. Wisdom says, put on the brakes Amen. now. That's wisdom. I don't have to understand why traffic is stopping so quickly. I just need to know that it is stopping. And then I take what I know and I apply it by applying my brakes before I hit that person and cause everybody else to rubberneck because another wreck is here. So this is making sense. Okay, wisdom, listen now, wisdom is the right next response. Okay, so wait a minute, is he just talking about wisdom in general? Is he saying if any man lacked wisdom, let him ask of God? Solomon lacked wisdom and he asked of God? Hey, thank God that he did, certainly. And there is a sense in which we all need to have wisdom just in a regular, general, everyday sense. I mean, we all need wisdom just for daily living. Would you say amen right there? My soul living in the world that we live in with all of its complexities and all of its confusion. But listen, in the context of this, here's what what he's dealing with, you're in the midst of a trial that is bearing down on you. And there's going to be times when you cannot see why this is going on. And in the midst of that trial, you're going to need wisdom. So in the context of it, it is specifically wisdom in trials. So if any man lack wisdom, let him or her ask of God that give it to all men. Oh, mercy, let him ask. Did you see that he says, listen, when, when you're in the midst of a trial, friend, he didn't say, let him sign up for another seminar. I'm not against seminars, but you may not be able to get to the next seminar, but you can get on your knees. Are you following me here? He, he didn't say, you know, read the next book. He didn't, say to, he, didn't, he didn't say to take the next class. No, he said, here's what you do, you pray. Yes, God. He didn't say even schedule a meeting with your spiritual leader, though that might be the wisdom that God gives you to meet with somebody. But here's what he said to do. He said right here, when you're in some situation and you don't understand why it's going on and you, maybe it's this, you don't know what to do next, then here's what to do. Pray. Pray. You say that's too simple, not given the God who you're praying to, to whom you're praying. Don't end a sentence in a preposition. No, I'm just simply saying, to whom you pray makes the difference. Amen. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men, that give it to all men, to all people. That's the idea, all his children. He doesn't have a special class of, of his children that he gives special wisdom to. No, he just says he gives to all men. Amen. 
To those that have been saved a long time, praying a long time, and those that just got saved this past Sunday, the same God has wisdom as available for them, just like he does the long time Christian. He's got wisdom for men who need it desperately. And he's got wisdom for women who also need it desperately. He's got wisdom for adults and he's got wisdom for children. And so if there's some kids here tonight, don't you think for a second that adults are heard more by God if there's something that is bearing down on your heart and there's problems in your home, then you cry out to the God of wisdom and you say, God, I don't know what to do right here. Would you help my home? I'm telling you, God in heaven cares just as much about that little five-year-old or six-year-old as he does the 55-year-old. He's got wisdom for all people. He's got wisdom for the man that's in prison. I just spent a little bit of time today, about maybe 20 minutes or so with the man that, that is incarcerated and we talked over the phone. But I'm telling you, friend, listen, he's growing spiritually and he's got access. He's got access to ask God for wisdom just as much as you and I do when we're sitting in the pew and he's sitting there in, in, in the prison. He's got wisdom for all men. My soul, I don't know if it's getting you a little bit fired up, but it's getting me a little bit fired up because, hey, I know that in the midst of trials, I need some help and you need some help. So if any man lack wisdom, anybody here lacking wisdom, you don't know what to do in the midst of your life situation, here's what you do. You pray and you ask God for it. In fact, literally, the idea is he's the, he's the giving God that, that giveth all, to all men. He's the God who giveth to all men liberally. That means this generously. Generously. He doesn't hold back what you need. He giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. You know what that means? He doesn't chide you. When you come to him and you say, God, I don't know what to do right here. He doesn't say something like this. You again? I helped you last week. I tell you what. You get that, hey, listen to me. You get that straightened up and, and then maybe I'll help you. No, he just simply says he gives it to all men. Hey, he's available to the spiritual as well as to the carnal. Both need to grow. Both need to grow. And so he's available and he doesn't upbraid. He doesn't ghost you. It doesn't, it's not, it's not like God says, get back to me tomorrow and we'll see. No, it says this right here. He says, if any man lack wisdom in the midst of a trial is the context, then let him ask of God who give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. There it is. Verse number six. Is that where we are right now? Verse six. Okay, so here, here's the idea. Now listen, because, because we all need wisdom in the midst of trials, would everybody agree here? And I might let you out early, but maybe not. <laughs> I mean, when you're dealing with family members and you're dealing with life, come on church, you need wisdom. Where are you gonna get it? Get it from God. How do you get it? You get it in prayer. But, but look at verse number six, if you would. He says, but let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. God gives wisdom and trials to those who ask in faith. That's what he does. That's what he's glad to do. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Nothing wavering. The idea is going back and forth. The idea is vacillating. The idea is, is okay, let me, let me see. The idea is this, I know I'm supposed to serve God, but I don't know if he's gonna come through for me or not. 
That's wavering. The idea is doubting. Let him ask in faith. I think you see that. But, but wait a minute. It's not, it's not an intellectual doubt. Like, I don't know if there really is a God that answers prayer. No, I don't, I don't think that's what it is at all. He says, nothing wavering because he that wavereth is as the wave of the sea that is tossed to and fro. So the, because what he's needing is wisdom. Here's what he's saying, church. He's saying this. He's saying in the midst of trials, there's sometimes that we waver on God and there's times when we know that we need God's wisdom. But then there's other times I think, no, I'm going to turn to my wisdom. I'm going to turn to human wisdom. And we kind of vacillate between the two. And, and he says, listen, God wants to help you and he's able to help you, but you've got to ask in faith, nothing wavering, resolute that I'm not going back to the world. You've got to pray. You've got to pray without a plan B. You've got to pray without a backup plan. That's what he's saying. They, were, they had a backup plan. Like if this gets really tough, I'm getting out. I'm going back to the world. I'm going to the world. I'm, I'm going to do what, what I'm going to do. And James is saying, hey, listen, in the midst of that trial, that's not a time to be wishy-washy. It's not a time to waver. It's a time to ask for wisdom, the right next response with the resolute faith and confidence and being committed to God and put yourself in a place where God has to come through. Nothing wavering, because otherwise you're being all over the place spiritually. And let not that man think that he shall have anything. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-minded. I've already mentioned to you the meaning of it, two-souled. Literally, two minds. As believers... You know, you're supposed to do God's will, but you also have a mind of your own. And in the midst of that trial and temptation, you can think things like, I don't know if he really cares. Because if he really cared, why would I be going through this so long? Why would he have allowed this to happen? Why doesn't he do something about this? Are you, are you listening to me? He doesn't care and nobody cares. I can miss church and nobody would even notice. And, and if you keep listening to yourself like that way, you'll talk yourself right out of church. You'll talk yourself right out of God's will. But if you'll say, no, I don't know how this is going to work out, but by the grace of God, I'm committed, I'm, I'm resolute, I'm fully devoted. I don't want to have divided loyalties. I'm not going to be partly devoted to God's will and partly devoted to my will. No, in the midst of this life situation, I'm going to commit myself completely to God and I don't see how it all is going to work out and I don't even know all what to do next, but he told me to do one thing. Ask. Pray, but you cannot be double-minded about it. You know, I, I was reminded this week that Daniel, Daniel prayed three times a day on a regular basis with his window open towards Jerusalem, towards the east, right? No, he was in the east, towards the west. Sorry. He prayed towards Jerusalem. That's the main thing. 
window open, bowing down on his knees three times a day, thanking God for who he was, asking God to do great things. What, what did Daniel pray? I don't know all that he prayed. He didn't understand all that was going on, but God gave, boy, did God give him some understanding right up in there. But he opened up his window, but he had the door shut to the world. Are you listening? He prayed with his window open, symbolically saying, dear God, as your people, we need you. And we're in the midst of this trial. We brought a lot of this on ourselves. We brought this on ourselves. Now, now Daniel was in a place where, where he, he was a young man and all that. You understand that? This is towards the end of his life. And he's praying towards Jerusalem with the window open. But the, I'm saying to you, the door was shut to the world. He wasn't praying one way, but kind of leaving the door open for some other options that he might consider if this prayer thing doesn't work out. Here's what I'm afraid we pray with our windows shut and the door wide open to the world. Saying, I'm going to pray for wisdom because I know that's what I'm supposed to do. But I'm not real sure this is going to work out. And so I'm going to leave the door open so that if I need finances, I know how to go out and get it. I'm going to pray and I know I'm supposed to be here I know, I, know I'm, I know I'm supposed to be in this family. I know I'm supposed to be in this marriage. But, but if it gets real tough, I got the door open and I'm ready to go. Are you really committed right there? Do you follow, follow how that works? Some of you are here for Heartland Baptist Bible College and you're, you're where you believe God wants you to be. But you know what you could do? You could say, well, I know I'm supposed to pray and I'm going to pray but I got the door open to my career, what I'd like to do if this preaching thing doesn't work out. I mean, if I fail one more practice preaching outline and it's as red as the Latin one was, I must not be called to preach. Hey, that homiletics professor didn't call you to preach. He's trying to help you preach and others that are helping him. Hey, are you listening to me? Hey, don't, don't pray with the door open to the world. You go over there and you shut the prayer closet door and you pray to the God that's in heaven, the God that's in secret, that is in heaven, that sees, that sees you in secret. Don't, don't open up the door so everybody can see what a great prayer warrior that you are. But you get along with God and you seek the face of God. And you say, oh God, I don't want material possessions. I don't want fame. I don't want prestige. I don't want my way. I don't need comfort. God, I need to grow desperately. Because I'm in the midst of this trial and everything in me wants to go out there in the world and be free from all this. But everything in me spiritually knows I've got to stay right here. But God, right now, my mind is going two different directions. You're not two-faced, you're two-brained. You're two-minded. You're double-minded. You're two-souled. you got a heart for God, but you also got a heart for the world. And it won't work in the Christian life. And you got to be all in. Because if you're not all in, you're really actually out. That's right. That's right. In the midst of a temptation, you keep falling and faltering and failing and giving in and giving in. And that's, that's your, your making and, and such. Well, here's what you do. You cry out to God that it can help you. 
And he doesn't upbraid. He doesn't say, I told you the last. No, no, he, he gently loves you. He's not like us, thank God. He's not like us, even some of us, even as parents that we say, ah, again, ah. no, he's not like us. He didn't get frustrated. You can talk to him anytime, anywhere about anything. And things you can't see and understand, he does, and he knows what you ought to do next. And doing what you ought to do next does not mean it's going to rectify and solve everything, but it'll keep you from hitting the guy in front of you. And if you keep from hitting the guy in front of you, that'll help your life. Are you following me? Eventually, you'll get home safely. Safe and sound. But if you say, I'm tired of this, get out the way. And you get over in that emergency lane and you're weaving in and out, driving recklessly, living recklessly. Hey, there's no wonder you get pulled over or in a life wreck because you get impatient with God and he's not doing what you think he ought to be doing. Pray, pray without a backup plan. Say, God, I have no backup plan. I have only you. But the Breeze Trio just sang a moment ago, he's enough. <laughs> he's enough. I can trust him. Father, thank you. What a text. What a passage. I pray, God, for those in the midst of some serious trials and difficulties that have come their way and you're using them to grow them, but they're tempted not to let patience have her perfect want, work, that they may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We're prone in the midst of our troublesome times to have limited and faulty thinking and thus make some really bad decisions, turn to other things that we ought not to, make rash and hasty decisions. Would you help us just to close the door to the world and not be double-minded, but single-minded, single-focused on doing your will. In Jesus' name.